Hi, I'm Grant Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer at Imburse. Welcome to Imburse on the Mic, a podcast series where we dig into topics that impact our business and lives, managing expenses, processing invoices, making payments, and discovering ways to eliminate time-consuming, error-prone manual tasks to help make our lives easier. Our website is Imburse.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, you can reach us at hi at Imburse.com. That's H-I at Imburse.com. In our last episode, we talked about CFO Insights. Today, we'll talk about the future of business travel and ask the question, will travel ever be the same? With me today is Nord Samuelson, president of Imburse. Nord oversees the organization's operations, ensuring high levels of product innovation and operational excellence. I'm also joined by Jeroen Van Velsen, SVP of Solutions Strategy, and the former CEO and co-founder of Roadmap, which is exciting part of Imburse now and oversees our travel-related portfolio. Nord and Jeroen, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for having us. Let's start off, Nord, actually, you know, we're seeing TSA throughputs rebound after a really tough year for the travel industry. How do you see business travel changing in both the near and the long term? Also, is hybrid work here to stay? So, Grant, I, I think that change is, is probably the new constant. So we, we're certainly going to see change, I expect. Let me give some data and then maybe how to interpret that data. So, so first of all, from the GBTA, through their survey that more than half the companies with flexible work arrangements were either going to be very likely, so about 16%, or somewhat likely 35%, to revise travel and expense policies to account for increase in remote working. So it certainly is an indication there is going to be some differences in travel and expense based upon the fact that we're going to continue um, to have hybrid work as part of how we work. You know, that being said, I think to predict exactly what's going to happen is incredibly hard because I don't think any company, at least any company that I've talked to, is uh, set on how travel is going to look in the coming months, quarters, or years as their work changes and as they as they come out of COVID. We have that uncertainty. And I think what the balance is that many uh, firms that I've talked to seem to be struggling with is, on the one hand, we've seen Zoom be able to take the place of some in-person meetings, some commuting, some you know being in the office. And certainly, I think we've been impressed with how much we can do remotely and how that provides flexibility in people's lives. The counteracting force, though, is creating trust, creating employee relationships that were just part of working together and part of being in person. And, you know, I can't tell you the number of people who've, who I've talked to that have said, you know, I've never met a fellow employee or I've never met a customer or I've never met a supplier. Or, I've never met a key partner. And I really need to do that. A great example of this is that, as you mentioned, Grant, your own we purchased Euron's company Roadmap a bit ago, and Euron and I have never met in person. We work together almost on a daily basis. We've never met in person, and it's something that we absolutely want to do. And I think that there's no substitute for being in person in terms of building that trust. So travel is going to be necessary, but I do think it's going to change. And one of the things that I think is going to be very interesting about travel is that 
It traditionally has been senior executives would travel to the offices. But as we have a remote workforce, I think it's going to change that we're going to see a much broader percentage of the population of, the, of companies travel. So many more employees are going to travel, but maybe a lot less than what we traditionally saw as these executives who would travel every week. And so all of a sudden, I think that how travel is, is supported and managed is going to change considerably. So I think that the main conclusion is there is going to be change ahead, an exciting change, I think. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm with you, uh, Nord. I, I see this new trend. It's going to be hashtag off Zoom, hashtag in person. So uh, we're all looking forward to that shift. Uh, Jeroen, as uh, Nord mentioned, based in the uh, Netherlands, what are the unique challenges that EU business travelers face as they restart their travel programs i i think as a as, as one might know there is no europe right so uh, <laughs> i think there actually is but there isn't so and, and that's that's immediately the biggest problem that we're facing because you know every country can do whatever they want or and then we try as a european union try to unify it and that's extremely hard so I think that is the biggest problem. And also, uh, also reflecting on what Nord's saying, you know, change is not only because of the way that business travel changes, but this is like also yeah, still in sort of the end of the, hopefully the end of the pandemic. Um, there is a lot of change as well on a daily basis on countries opening and closing borders and changing regulations on what you actually need to carry in order to get into a country or what are the quarantine rules? Or what can you do? Can you go into an office? Can you you know, need to wear a mask wherever. So it's a ton of change on a daily basis. So there is a, there is a lot of moving parts out uh, out there. So I think that is that is the biggest challenge from a European perspective. But that's actually a global global issue as well. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of complexity and nuances to to navigate through. So you know, we're here to help. You know, Nord uh, duty of care seems to become more popular lately. Do you think this increased focus on DOC will translate to the overall strategy for ongoing employee satisfaction and, and, and engagement? Yes. And, and let me modify what we think about for duty of care, because I think it's going to change. Like historically, duty of care and duty of care services that, that companies uh, such as ourselves would provide is knowing where the employee is when they travel. So look, if something happens, it's like, your own may happen to be in the UK and we know that your own is there. And, and if uh, we need to get in touch with your own, then we would know he's in the UK. So it's like, great. And that's a, certainly a valuable service. And the knowledge of that and that information is was certainly at the beginning of uh, the pandemic. I think we realized how important that is. That being said, I do think that duty of care if we think about those words, about the responsibility of a company, I think it's going to increase in terms of not just knowing where someone is, but truly being supportive of that employee and how they travel in their travel experience. Because one of the things we certainly came front and center during the pandemic is you know, how challenging it can be to bring your whole self to work. And I think in travel, this is only uh, magnified because travel can be super hard on individual employees and their families. You know, the time it takes, the, the fact that they're removed from their, their community, from their home, to be able to travel on behalf of the business. And so I think we're going to start to see the duty of care not just be 
where's the employee and is the employee safe, but also what services and what uh, support the employee needs while traveling on behalf of the business. So I think we're going to start to see a much richer set of services provided to employees in their travel. And as, as I mentioned, we're going to see many more, much broader population of most companies starting to travel, you know, as they're hired in a remote place and traveling to the headquarters, the regional office, or, or particular customers. What's going to happen is, is that that travel experience, I believe, is going to become much richer and better supported to ensure that the employee is able to be, you know, fully present uh, in their in their work responsibilities, I actually hated that word duty of care. You know, who made that up, right? So <laughs> you, as a company, you have a duty to take care of your people, like wowzers. So th- this this doesn't make any sense. This whole concept, uh, I would I would strike it off any list. Uh, if if you think you have the duty to take care, yeah, it's like taking out the garbage. Right? So it it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we have we have the privilege to care for our employees while they make money for our companies, right? So to Nord's point, these, two, these poor souls are not traveling for fun. They're traveling for work. They're, they're making money. And now we have the duty to take care of them while they're making money for us. It's hysterical. Yeah, the, I like that new uh, spin on it, privilege to care. In, uh, in the regard of the traveler experience, how do you envision what changes are being made or can be made to improve that uh, for the for the traveler? Well, I think uh, the the most important piece is actually what we just referred to, right? So the privilege to care. I, as a as an employee working for my company, I actually expect that somebody has my back while I travel, and that is is not only a hard factor, right? It's like okay, now if I get sick, you know, a, a doctor will be provided for, and I can call some service or phone shares that will take care of me. Right, so so that's that's just the simple stuff. But there's an underlying cultural thing that that also kicks in. That means that these travel programs historically have been very much procurement driven, right? So we need to leverage our procurement capacity because we buy a ton of flights, and therefore I can get a discount. And now I need to manage it through an online booking tool and a TMC. And it's these top-down uh, approaches that that really have never taken into account what the employee is actually doing because it's a highly processed systems driven yeah sort of boring enterprise process while this now is flipping because people understand like okay you're not traveling for fun and going forward we probably travel a lot less we know much more about the the return of that investment in travel uh, will probably be high otherwise we'd be on a zoom so now we uh, we understand from also from a management perspective okay this is actually a valuable activity the minute we jump in the plane it is a valuable activity and hence we should approach it as such and that's also what i need to feel as a human being i need to feel rewarded and being taken care of and not putting in some cookie cutter hotel room with breakfast from plastic plates while i'm you know signing a multi-million dollar deal that doesn't make any sense so the experience should match the uh, yeah the, the value that I create, um, right? So that is that is that is the core principle of designing these new age travel programs. If you translate that into traveler experience, so so that should be matching, right? So my my traveler experience, uh, both from a flight and a hotel, which is just the, the simple stuff. But then the hard stuff is okay. How do I actually make sure that the employee can focus on the job? And not being focused on okay, what are the country regulations where I'm flying to? 
uh, how can I get to an office? Is there a decent restaurant where I can have lunch? If I get into trouble, what do I need to do, right? You want your employee to focus on why they're, they're there, which is landing a deal or creating a new product or this new team meeting. So you should basically make sure that you create everything around the traveler in order for them to focus on why they're actually traveling. That's what we need to design. Yeah, I love that idea, own of like the company cares more, the employee can do more, and they can return in a, you know a, a better disposition about the whole travel travel or traveler experience. There's this term that's uh, become more prevalent now called leisure. Travel, it's one of these blended terms. (laughs) Do you think the consumerization, either of you or both, I should say, of the business world uh, led to these blurred lines or was really just COVID that pushed it over the edge? First of all, I love the term. I love the term. And I do feel like we need to start to think about why we are traveling. Certainly there are some things like, look, we have a long meeting and it's we're going to be more engaged together in a conference room rather than on Zoom. It's like, yeah, I, I got that. But a lot of what we're talking about with travel and recognizing you know, the value of travel, it's about employee engagement and creating trust and understanding cultural you know, differences in cultures, office culture or community culture. And given that, I think what we really expect or want or should expect is to have a much more immersive experience, right? Because if, if not, we just use the Zoom. The notion that if as a company you are investing, you know, that you have climate impact or environmental impact by traveling, you're going to have a social impact on the employee, you know, asking the employee to travel, you're making this huge investment. The employees are making a huge investment. Collectively, we should take much advantage of this opportunity to really have the employee immerse themselves in the culture as much as possible. And I think some of that is going to be doing business things, having a business meeting, but it's also going to be taking advantage of what that community has to offer. I actually think there's like good business value associated with doing traditional leisure traveling things in a community where you travel to. And it doesn't have to be like you're going to an exotic place and you should take advantage of it. It could be someplace that's not considered uh, that exotic, but just taking advantage of the opportunities to understand and know the place much better, it's going to be much more valuable. And I think, you know, all of us who traditionally had, you know, four locations in four days that we have to go to and we go into a conference room, we leave and it's like one conference room looks like the next and we kind of have this intense week of travel. I think you miss an opportunity by not taking time out to really you know, immerse yourself or immerse oneself in, in the local community. And so I think the idea of leisure is uh, critical, I think, for the value uh, for the employee and the company. Yeah, I, I, I've never taken a business trip where I didn't take any leisure time, right? So I, even for all my business trip, also in the past, I love to be a tourist as well for, uh, while I travel for business. And uh, obviously, I didn't have any stringent travel policies because, yeah, that's not the type of culture that's, uh, that, that we have within the, in the company. But yeah, it's the opportunity, right? So there's not a lot of romantic stuff about traveling anymore because we're still queuing for for most of our travel time. So therefore, yeah, I think make the best out of it, right? Which is another concept in uh, in life. There's another angle to it, which is, and Nord mentioned it as well, right? So the the, the climate costs are, are significant. So 
yeah, it does make sense to tie this also into into your climate impact because yeah, okay, I jumped on this plane, so why don't I just add two days while I will I'm already there? So I, I think that that will increase the 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 leisure need as well. That is very big on the agendas of, of all of our uh, all of our customers. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, concept that. Uh you could use Bleasure Travel to help companies achieve their ESG, otherwise known as environmental, social, and governance. Any thoughts on how that might help when you you can blend in some personal and business uh, travel together and in, in, in reaching the ESG goals? You know, kind of going back to your last point and kind of leading into your question. So, so there is some data. You know, I was just reading and I and I kind of got this data point up. There was a survey. I think National Car Rental had a survey. 81% of travelers engage in some form of leisure travel, and these leisure travelers report higher satisfaction with their quality of life on the road, you know, 91% versus 79%, which is a big deal. I mean, that, and so certainly to your own point, we should all be taking some leisure while we're traveling. And I, and I think which leads to your point of the ESG impact. And we all need to recognize and understand and continue to monitor the, the impact, the climate impact, the environmental impact of our travel and, and understand it is an investment. It's an investment of money. It's investment certainly of employees' time and, and their commitment, but it's also an environmental impact as well. And I think that, you know, look, I'm not sure that we're not, that we're going to reduce total amount of travel because we're probably going to have more employees travel, but they maybe will travel less. The total may be the same. But I do think that we have the opportunity to get much more value out of the environmental impact that we do make. And I think that that is going to really manifest itself in a much more positive social impact within the company, for the employees, within their communities, to be able to think of travel as an opportunity to take advantage of leisure and immersive opportunities. And so, you know, travel can be hard. I think you can find yourself in the middle seat in the back row of an airplane, you know, for, for six or eight hours and, and go, this is, can be really physically demanding, mentally, emotionally demanding. Being away from uh, family can be really hard, but to be able to take advantage of that uh, uh, can be really important from the overall employee uh, experience. Yeah, I think this uh, vision that you've both articulated about the future of travel is this new normal. Uh, we can all be you know, better citizens of planet Earth <laughs> than we might have been pre-COVID, right? Here's a question for b- both of you, right? The cultural changes across all organizations, and it does vary obviously by region, but does technology help ensure a fair treatment for all, you know, giving room to adapt to the various localities and regions? Yeah, I, I think uh, technology plays a huge role in, in that. Not only be uh, by getting much more data insights in, in what's really going on in that program, uh, not only from a financial point of view, but also looking at your uh, at the impact it's make, right? But so uh, at the time spent, looking at the, 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 the actual return of, of investment, looking at productivity numbers, looking at the traveler or the employee satisfaction of, uh, of, of the program. Those are all data-driven uh, scenarios that should give uh, leadership insight into, into how, that, how your travel program is actually performing. And you need a ton of technology to do so. So I, I think that, that is the first layer. And the second layer is in terms of yeah, a fairer treatment. I think fair is, is very situational, right? So 
um, historically it was, you know, if you're a, a VP, you're allowed to do this. And if you're an SVP, you're allowed to do that, which doesn't make any sense because that guy or girl that, that is flying for one time might be the deal of the, of the lifetime. But because you are a director, yeah, you're at the, the back of the plane uh, crying for another bag of peanuts. That doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So, uh, and, and it should be fair to the value it represents. Uh, and that's really hard because that's a big cultural shift for a lot of companies because yeah, it's just tied to the, to the hierarchy on where you sit in, in these enterprise programs. Uh, I think there's more cultural work to do to, to shift and the technology will enable that because yeah, we're proving every day that from a data point of view, that doesn't make any sense. So therefore that puts a lot of pressure on, on these cultures to, to humanize their cultures a little more as well. I do feel like technology can help and technology can help dramatically humanize work in being able to provide the right resources uh, and the right capabilities for employees to bring themselves you know, fully to, to work, whether it be in travel or whether it be commuting or whether it be in their day-to-day work and how they, how they are able to be more present. And I think we could spend a long time talking about that, a long time. That being said, the other angle that I would say is that I do think that there is no substitute for being there and experiencing the culture of other locations, offices, work environments. I remember, you know, kind of being part of a a global development team, Eastern Europe, East Coast, uh, United States, West Coast uh, of the United States, as well as in India. It was very interesting because I think that everyone would get on calls every week and, uh, and kind of expect that everyone was in the same situation as their own. You know, they go to work in approximately the same place and, and bring themselves in, a, in the same way. But once you would actually travel there and understand for some people it was dinner time, for some people it was 6 a.m., for some, you know, and just the difference in how they brought themselves at work and their experience, it also made us just change the format of the calls and the time of the calls and it started to rotate and things like that. So the, the importance of travel and being there, I don't think can be underestimated. I think the technology will continue to help us, help guide us. But I also think that um, being there in human interaction is is going to play a critical part for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Let's move to probably my favorite uh, part of these chats. It's the crystal ball section. So if there were no technical limitations, what do you both think the future of business travel looks like in five to 10 years? You know, you know how's it different from today and, and what's it going to take to get there? No technical limitations, you said that, Grant? Right. <laughs> okay. So let's start with teleportation then, because that solves for a lot of problems. <laughs> and it was five to 10 years? Hmm. I think North can make teleportation happen within five to 10 years. So I, I, I'll put my money on no, that. No worries. Easy. I think there are, there are, there are a few things, but that, it makes it really hard to predict the future while everything is spinning at the same time. So my bet will be on the change uh, in that we work. And that means that a lot of people will travel different. So we will have no more one-day trips. I, for one, will never take a one-day trip anymore in my lifetime. That doesn't make any sense. I feel ashamed that I've been doing that in, in the past. So that is that is the first layer. So I will vow I will never take a one-day trip anymore. And if I do, then I will add leisure time to it. So then it's not a one-day trip anymore. And then the other piece that is super important, I think will have a lot more meetings and meetings and incentive travel 
because we're all working much more remote and then we'll have just an immersive week of getting together and that might be you know a lot of work and it might be a lot of fun and we'll have new experiences that be created in a hotel or we might not call it a hotel because it's an experience center and that is where we truly have deeper engagement uh, with colleagues or partners or customers because I think that is what we need because as much as we value this virtual world and we can be highly productive and efficient, you know, this it, it, it doesn't make my clock tick. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it and I want to meet people and, and also in new ways. And I think we can we can create much more immersive experiences uh, if we get creative. So that is that is one thing that, uh, that I think will will happen a lot. And I also think that uh, most of these policies will be out of the window, right? So a lot of the travel policies will be much more Netflix style, you know, spend the money as if it's your own. And then last, but certainly not least, we will not have to expense anything anymore. (laughs) Ta-da! It is magically expensed, which is, I don't know who fixed that, but it was a company, it was great. They, They humanized work by making expense disappear. It was amazing. I love that Nord. How do you build on that? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I think it's. I think we may want to stop. So I think there were three things that I was going to add to your own piece, which was brilliant. I'm afraid now to even add to it because it really uh, was well said. I think first of all, I do think for those of you who haven't seen uh, the the roadmap offering, I think that it's it it is a window into the future of travel and how employees are going to be supported in their travel experience. And I do believe that there's going to be extraordinarily large percentage of uh, employees who are going to be using the roadmap application to support their their travel and companies that are going to be using that. And for those uh, who aren't, they wish they would have it. You know, it's going to be that sort of thing. And it's, it's so powerful in making travel be this well-supported, immersive experience where I think we are headed. So so that's the first thing I see in the future. The second thing I see, we're going to be talking about this supportive, immersive experience, not just for these long trips, not just Boston to LA or LA to Tokyo. It's going to be, even when we talk about commuting, it's going to be some of the same types of things, making sure that the employee is very well supported and making sure that that experience is one that uh, the employee feels like the company, you know, has their back and provides the services that allows them to be fully present at work. So we're talking about not just long trips, but travel can also be defined now as, as commuting. And I think the final piece for me is that when we talk about travel and travel management, historically, it's been the focus has been on budgeting in dollars and cents or pounds or euros or, or you know, currency, financial currency. And I think we're going to start to move away from that as being the sole measure to measures around employee satisfaction, employee engagement, measuring travel's impact on that, hopefully building it up as opposed to decreasing it. Um, the other thing is I think that environmental impact is going to be an issue, which is I think we're going to start to see budgeting based upon environmental impact Uh, carbon impact, things like that, rather than just on uh, the dollars and cents of the uh, travel budget. So that will be a part of it. Certainly finance is going to be a part of it, but employee satisfaction and and environmental impact, I think, are going to start to uh, influence travel strategies as well. Yeah, I love your collective views of the future. I 
I think there's another term we can banish that's road warrior, like it's some badge of honor. We're just, you know, a planet traveler and having a positive experience and impact on our, uh, on our, on our globe. Nord and Yaron, thanks so much for talking with us today. It was, it was fabulous. Thank you, Grant. Thanks, Grant. And uh, for our listeners, please stay tuned for our next Immerse on the Mic episode. We'll be talking about digitally transforming spend management. And again, our website is Immerse.com. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, you can always reach us at hi at Immerse.com. That's H-I at Immerse.com. And thanks so much. Thank you.